Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church in Norwich on this fine fall, beautiful fall day. I have some announcements. So our sermons can be found on uh, anchor.fm forward slash FBC Norwich. You can find that link on the back of your, maybe not on the back of your bulletin. It's uh, in the announcements section of your bulletin. Our weekly Bible Bible study sessions are held on Wednesday afternoons at 3 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, Not not this week. Not this week, due to the holiday. Um, so uh, we'll start that up the following week. Yes. And that's at 3 o'clock, followed by a time of prayer from 4 to 4.30. If you are interested in church membership or a baptism, please reach out to Pastor Mike. Uh, today, Sunday, November 21st, is Marsha's last Sunday as our organist. There will be a farewell receptionist following our church service uh, down in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, so please come wish... Uh, Wish Marsha happy trails. Starting next Sunday, uh, the 28th, our Sunday hours will be changing. So Sunday school is going to start at 9.30 next week, and uh, the church service is going to start at 10.30. So we're moving everything back a half an hour uh, for, for our Sunday services. And next Sunday will also be the first Sunday of Advent and the start of our Advent season. And the place is still selling their poinsettias six inches for $15. You can pick up between November 24th and December 15th. Order forms uh, can be found in the church foyer where you picked up your wreath. I'm sorry, where you picked up your bulletin. Unfortunately, they are already sold out of wreaths, so there's no wreaths left. Any other announcements this morning? Terrific. Then let's get the ball rolling here. Uh, The first chorus this morning is... Give thanks. of what the Lord has done for me. 
second chorus this morning is Glorify Thy Name. join me now in the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletins. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I have set my alarm. I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice and pleas for mercy. When I cried out, help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And then right beneath that is the invocation. Let's read in unison, please. Be strong in the Lord always and have confidence in his mighty power. As we approach the holiday season, we give thanks to you, Lord, for your blessings. Holy God, be near us today. We wait for your Holy Spirit to come be with us in power and righteousness. Sanctify us by your holy name. Amen. And now let's uh, stand up again and we're going to sing hymn number 540, We Gather Together.
be seated. Good morning. For our time of joys and concerns and uh, any testimonies out there, anything uh, that the Lord's laying upon your heart to share at this time? I have one. <laughs> it's called Safe Travel for Everybody. Uh, our daughter-in-law, Faith, is on her way right back now. And uh, we leave tomorrow morning with for whatever. So just prayers for safe travels. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> Prayers and thanksgiving for all those that will be celebrating the holiday this week that we just wish everybody safety and good health. I spoke with Les Lucas this morning. He said he's very sorry he can't be here. He asked for your prayers for his health. He was in the hospital and He's um, dealing with a continuing health issue. Prayers for all those who are out of work and prayer for Carolyn's sister. <clears throat> Anyone else? I am extremely fortunate to have the help of Bob and Sandy Smith, who took me Friday to have the port placed so that I could start my chemo, and they have been a tremendous help and love towards me that has made a big difference in my life.
Anyone else? If not, let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Uh, Father God, we're, uh, we're thankful. Uh, we just want to pause and, and say thank you uh, to you, uh, Father God. Uh, thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for uh, sending us your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you uh, for uh, the gift of your Holy Spirit uh, working in and through us, uh, your church. And we thank you, Lord, for um, how it is that uh, you desire uh, for us uh, just to continue to spread the love of Jesus Christ uh, in our midst uh, with everything that we do, with everything that we say. Um, Lord, you've created uh, this body of Christ with you as the head uh, that we might uh, turn to you and submit ourselves to your leading in each of our lives, Lord. And, and so we thank you that we're not alone, that you truly are with us and we can lean heavily uh, upon uh, your graces, uh, your mercy, your forgiveness, <coughs> uh, your love, and your desire uh, to have us uh, share the love of God as revealed to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And um, in, with our thanksgivings, Lord, we uh, lift up, of course, uh, Marcia and uh, how it is that she's been such a rich blessing uh, to us uh, through her music and her, her life. And uh, we want to thank you, Lord, uh, for her and for the gift, the precious gift of uh, music that uh, you've touched her with and that you allow us to uh, worship you and uh, praise the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you too, Lord, for uh, the, all those uh, who uh, in our midst, Lord, are um, with us either in spirit uh, or physically here today. Uh, there's people, Lord, that just can't come to the service. There's people who have gone on before us with that great cloud of witnesses, and, and we thank you for them. Uh, so we thank you as... Linda mentioned for her dad, and we ask you to be with her son and her brother her, and her grandson. And uh, thank you, too, for uh, how it is that Bob and Sandy have been ministering as well. And uh, we lift up uh, others, too, uh, that are in need of our prayers, I'm sure that are on our hearts. But we specifically lift up as well uh, Rosemary and Pat and and Phil, and um, we asked uh, too that you would be with Les and those uh, who are out of work, and um, those who are traveling, Lord. We ask, Lord, that uh, for your traveling mercies with Thanksgiving coming, 
uh, we just pray, Lord, for your hedge of protection around us, Lord, and your, your guardian angels over us, uh, that you would see us uh, safely to our destinations, and uh, for those that are coming to us, for that they would arrive here safely as well. And um, it's with uh, thanksgiving, Lord, uh, that we lift up uh, the name above all names, uh, the name of Jesus Christ. And um, we ask now, Lord, that you would uh, help us to simply pray with our hearts the prayer that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from it. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I have a lot to say. <laughs> I'll make it short. <laughs> um, Marcia has been our organist for over 14 years, and she has certainly made our church safe. During those years, she established our morning choir, played for many children's programs, started our chime choir, and assisted with the rhythm band. All of these activities enriched our Sunday services and provided enjoyment for all of the participants. She has also made sure that our church was involved in many community activities like Sing Out and Celebrate and Easter Sunday Sunrise services. Marcia has decided that the next adventure in her life will to become a snowbird. Upon that retirement, she will be spending the winter in Holly Springs, North Carolina, which is the home of her son and family. I am sure she will be continue to be active in many of her musical endeavors. At this time, I do know she is joining a bell choir and a chancel choir at the church. The church blesses you and thanks you. 
and we will see you when the birds sing. No, I thank you. I appreciate you. It's been a joy to serve God in your midst and, and lead you. And hopefully, the whole goal that I tell you every year in the in the annual report is that we're not a performing group. Even though the choirs were not performing. We're giving glory to God and enhancing your worship. And if it's done that, thanks be to God. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, do you notice anything different? Uh, anything different in the church this morning? Thanksgiving is coming, thank you. And what was that? The Parade of Lights. The Parade of Lights. And when is the Parade of Lights? Saturday. Saturday. Saturday is the Parade of Lights. In fact, we're going to be gathering at the church at about 4 o'clock in the back parking lot. And uh, we could use some help uh, with the parade and uh, getting things together and decorating the floats. Uh, these are things that uh, Jim Browning made for us. He made the uh, crush scene, and then you can see this with the, uh, the First Baptist Church. And uh, he also made uh, this one. What does this one say? Celebrate the birth of Christ. Celebrate the birth of Christ. And so, um, why do you think uh, we're going to, what, what's the point of being in the parade? Son Jesus Christ is the reason for Christmas, and uh, we celebrate his birth, and we do that in the parade, and we do that really, uh, Lord, that you would encourage us to celebrate his name every, each and every day and with each and every breath that we take. And so we, we, we just lift up the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the children and all those, and Jim and others who are helping out uh, with the candy and uh, the things that we'll be handing out in the parade, and uh, we just uh, pray, too, for good weather. <coughs> We, we give you the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
Uh, now thank we all our God. 544 in your hymnals. I did uh, want to mention too and introduce uh, Marsha's two sons. Uh, if you could stand and introduce yourselves, please. The tall one is Alan, the short one is Robert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining us today <laughs> and celebrating with us. The scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 13 through 17. And uh, you're probably familiar uh, with this as the armor of God, the whole armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I'm just going to introduce Ephesians again. You can see the whole blurb on Ephesians as a may, way of review. Go ahead. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Yeah, you can start Ephesus there. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship yeah. for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story personally, in our neighborhoods and communities, and in our families. So let's dive in, and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem, where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purpose to choose and bless a covenant people. And think here, the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now, anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus' death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1 verse 10, that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth, under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family. And here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's Spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Notice also how in this poem, Paul begins by talking about God the Father, but then about Jesus the Son, and then here at the end about the Spirit. All three work together as Paul tells the story of the Gospel. It's really cool. After the poem, Paul responds with a prayer. He prays that these followers of Jesus would not just know about, but personally experience the power of the gospel, that they would be energized by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as the exalted head of the whole world. Now in chapter two, Paul goes back and he elaborates on some key ideas from the poem in chapter one, especially God's grace and this new multi-ethnic family of Jesus. He begins by retelling the story of how these non-Jewish Christians came to know Jesus. Before hearing about Jesus, they were physically alive, but they were spiritually dead. They were trapped in a purposeless life of selfishness and sin, and they were deceived by dark spiritual forces of evil. But amazingly, God in his great love and mercy, he saved them, he forgave all of their sins, and he joined their lives to Jesus's resurrection life, and he's brought them back to life too. And so now, having been created as new human beings through Jesus, 
They have the joy of discovering all of the new calling and purposes and tasks that God has set before them. Not only have they been shown God's grace, they've also been invited into a new family. Before hearing about Jesus, these non-Jewish people, they were not just cut off from God, they were cut off from his covenant people, the family of Abraham. And for a really practical reason, the commands of the Sinai covenant, they formed like a boundary line around the family. They were like a barrier that kept most non-Jewish people away. But in Jesus, the laws of the Torah have been fulfilled and the barrier is removed. The two ethnic groups have become, as Paul puts it, a new unified humanity that can live together in peace. So Paul goes on in chapter three to marvel at the unique role that he got to have in spreading this good news to non-Jewish people. And even though he's in prison, he's thanking God for the chance he's had to see this covenant family grow so huge. So Paul closes the first half of the letter with another prayer. This time he prays that Jesus' followers would be strengthened by God's spirit to simply grasp and comprehend the love that Christ has for his people. The second half of the letter begins with Paul shifting gears and he starts challenging the reader to respond to the gospel story by how they live their own life story. So he starts in chapter four with just the everyday life of the church. The church is a big family with lots of different kinds of people, but he emphasizes that they are one. And one is a key word in this chapter. They are one body that's unified by one spirit. They have one Lord with one faith. They have one baptism. They believe in one God. That's a lot of unity. However, Paul says unity is not the same thing as uniformity. He goes on to explore how Jesus' new family consists of lots of very, very different kinds of people, but they're all empowered by the one Holy Spirit, each using their unique talents and passions to serve and to love each other and to build up the church. And here he uses two really cool metaphors. One is building up the church as a new temple. And the second is that they are all becoming a new humanity with Jesus as the head. And this new humanity is a metaphor he's gonna then run with for the next couple chapters. Paul challenges every Christian to take off their old humanity, like a set of old clothes, and to put on their new humanity in which the image of God is being restored. And he then goes on into this long section where he compares this new and old humanity. So instead of lying, new humans speak truth. Instead of harboring anger, they peacefully resolve their conflicts. Instead of stealing, new humans are generous. Instead of gossiping, they encourage people with their words. Instead of getting revenge, new humans forgive. Instead of gratifying every sexual impulse, new humans cultivate self-control of their bodily desires. Instead of getting drunk, new humans come under the influence of God's spirit. And he spells out what that influence looks like in four different ways. The first two have to do with singing, singing together, but also singing alone. And this is really interesting that the first thing that Paul thinks of about how the spirit works in the lives of Jesus' people is singing and music. The third sign of the spirit's influence is being thankful for everything. And the fourth is that the spirit will compel Jesus' followers to put themselves underneath others and to elevate others as more important than themselves. And Paul actually expands on this fourth point by showing how it works in Christian marriage. 
So you have a wife who follows Jesus. She is called to respect and to allow her husband to become responsible for her. And the husband is called to love his wife and to use his responsibility to lay down his selfish agenda and to prioritize his wife's well-being above his own. And Paul says it's this kind of marriage that's actually reenacting the gospel story. The husband's actions mimic Jesus and his love and his self-sacrifice. The wife's actions mimic the church, which allows Jesus to love her and to make her new. Paul then applies the same idea to children and parents as well as slaves and masters. Paul closes out the letter by reminding these Christians of the reality of spiritual evil. These are beings and forces that will try to undermine the unity of Jesus' people and to compromise their new humanity. And so Paul challenges them to stand firm and to put on this metaphorical set of body armor, which he describes in detail. And Paul has drawn all of these pieces of body armor from the book of Isaiah and how Isaiah depicted the Messianic king. And so now, as the Messiah's followers, we need to make the Messiah's attributes our own since we make up Jesus' body. Practically, I think Paul means for Christians to begin to form habits, proactively using prayer and the scriptures and our relationships with each other to help us grow and mature as followers of Jesus. And that's the letter to the Ephesians, very powerful. It's where Paul summarizes the whole gospel story and how it should reshape every part of our life story. Thank you, thank you. So I want to encourage you to read the letter to Ephesians. In fact, I, I hope that um, in your prayer life that you will um, follow Paul's example and write a letter to God. Um, remember as kids, our teachers always were after us to learn the proper right way to write a letter. And I'm thinking, um, I once had a very astute um, teacher who said to us, you know, Many times kids would write a letter and then at the very bottom of the letter they would say, um, please write back. But this teacher commended us to um, ask a series of questions at the end of our letters and then we would be sure to get a return. So I encourage you in your prayer life uh, to write God, uh, ask him a few questions and see how he might answer you as exampled here in the letter of Ephesians. I want now uh, to, um, I've asked Marcia to um, play um, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. One verse, please. Thank you. Um, how many of you been to a Civil War reenactment? Has anybody had an occasion to visit those? 
Um, they're quite stirring events. We used to live out in Owego and there was a, a site, a historical site out of there who used to reenact uh, battle uh, each spring. And it's quite uh, impressive. Everybody's in their uniforms. If you go before the battle, you can usually see them all camping out, preparing. They set their rifles and they um, load their cannons. In fact, recently we were um, at Fort Ticonderoga and we happened to be there when they were uh, doing drills and everybody was in uniform and they marched through their orders and it was all very impressive. That of course is, um, has its history in the Revolutionary War. So we see that we have a great military heritage and I wanted desperately last week when we were honoring all the veterans to be able to talk about that wonderful um, military heritage that we as Americans, especially Northern Americans have. Um, even among our defeated generals, like Robert E. Lee or Colonel Custard, who was defeated by the Sioux Indians, there's kind of, um, um, again, a, a pride in um, these soldiers that have gone before us. They're proud, they're brave, and they are sacrificial. They are always for the greater good and always for others, even in defeat, even in withdrawal, even in failure. So I commend you this morning that we are to be like them. We are to be shoulder, shoulder excuse me, soldiers in sharing the light. Let me read from Matthew. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that you may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This was a recurring theme of Ephesians 5. We are to shine our light. We are to use these soldiers as our role model. They are our role models to bring God's light to evil and darkness in the world. For we are all in a battle against darkness. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I think particularly of a soldier who um, was recognized with a <coughs> congressional Medal of Honor by Truman right after the first, Second World War. His name was Desmond Doss. He was able to rescue 75 wounded soldiers from um, the battle in the Battle of Okinawa. I don't know if you've heard of this story. It was kind of um, popularized in a movie um, called Hacksaw Ridge. But his uh, original Congressional Medal of Honor is 
um, on the internet and it outlines um, the brave deeds that he did. Um, the Americans had come up this escarpment, which was a steep hill, and had had to retreat because the Japanese had come out of tunnels and caves. And so they had to retreat down the escarpment. But he was left up there to um, rescue 75 uh, wounded soldiers. And he did this all miraculously without carrying a gun or a pistol. He was a medic and he had enlisted and had re refused to carry a weapon. Um, and so he was the only, uh, he is historically the only uh, soldier that was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, as a conscientious objector. Um, the Americans, of course, um, got reinforcements and were able to re-engage the Japanese and finally took the escarpment. And Desmond Doss um, was injured quite severely in his arm by shrapnel. And even in that, he was brave. His, his mental outlines, um, how he let another more severely wounded man uh, leave on a stretcher before he did. And what's also telling, there's a documentary about it, he at some point lost his Bible. Um, and he asked the man, men to look at it after the battle was over. Because Desmond knew that God was God of light and there was no darkness in him. God brought clarity in an insane situation that he was able, uh, without being killed himself, to rescue 75 wounded soldiers. So as we approach the holiday season, we ask truly that God bring clarity sometimes to a very busy holiday season. That God can bring order even in the midst of human chaos is just a wonderful, wonderful miracle. And I hope that we will not forget even in our battle against darkness, that we are here to bring light and we are to bring God's clarity to this world. We just ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a hymn, Come Ye Thankful People, Come.
Oh, fuck.